Today's scripture reading will be 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. In the Pew Bibles, that is on page 1079, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being with us. I uh, wish you a happy new year. I hope everyone has had a wonderful start to a new year. And my hope and prayer, and I hope your hope and prayer, is that we will use 2005 as a way to grow closer to God and greater service to God, appreciate God's grace and the blessings that He offers to us, more abundantly than we ever have appreciated them in the past and serve Him with more diligence than we ever have. You may have seen the advertisements that have been airing run by the Mount Juliet Church of Christ on a local cable station. The one that will be airing in January and February is of a man and a woman in a house. The woman is downstairs, and it is obvious that she's upset. She's sitting in the living room. The man is upstairs in the bedroom, and he is packing his luggage. And as he finishes packing his luggage with a very troubled face, he, come down, he comes down the steps, and it's obvious he's leaving his family. Reaching for the door, the little boy comes running up to him and says, Daddy, Daddy, you forgot your Bible. The double meaning is powerful. It'd be terrible to go on any trip without God's direction. But the reason so many homes today are breaking up is for one reason. Someone in that home has forgotten their Bible. The reason some of us reach the end of our life and we look back with serious regrets that we have made in past decisions is because we spend a portion of our life forgetting our Bible. Oftentimes when individuals live to an older age and look back and say, I made a mistake choosing a spouse, choosing a mate. Oftentimes those same individuals can say, during those years that I spent looking for a mate was also those same years that I forgot my Bible. Church families can look back and they can see how things went the wrong way 10, 15, 20 years ago. They see splits that took place. They see where they went the wrong way doctrinally. They see where they stopped loving each other. And the bottom line is during those times, someone in that church family forgot their Bible. This morning we begin a five-part series and we're going to talk about different things in our lives that happen whenever we forget our Bible. And I hope that you will take this as an opportunity to invite your friends that probably have already or will be seeing the advertisements. Encourage them to come with you on a Sunday morning 
And let's look at what it is in life to remember our Bible and how hard it is when we forget our Bible. When we think about the importance of remembering our Bible, we think about the Word, the Scripture, the text that was so capably read for us. In the New King James, just a moment ago, in verse 9, it said, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. That word short-sighted is what we would think of today as myopic. Myopic vision, by definition, is a visual defect in which distant objects appear blurred because their images are focused in front of the retina rather than on it. We sometimes call this nearsightedness or short-sightedness. Now, from an application standpoint, we also think of myopic as this, by definition, a lack of discernment or long-range perspective in thinking or planning. This morning, I want to kind of pause for just a moment in this sermon to also remind you that we have a calendar that will be handed out to every one of the major events that will take place in 2005. This is a way as a congregation that we can do our best in planning, to give our best to God. You know, God has never wanted anything less than our best. He never asked of us more than what we can give. And one way as a church family that we can offer our best is to do our best in planning a year. Now, you and I know that we don't know if we'll live throughout this year. But if God wills, these are some plans that as a congregation we want to accomplish together. There will be young men standing in the foyer this morning passing out this calendar. Please make sure that, that you pick up a copy of this calendar. And throughout this calendar you will see events that pertain to the entire congregation. Some events pertain to the youth. Some events uh, to, to women or just men or the seniors and etc. Please, please, sometime this week, sit down and jot these events that pertain to you on your own calendar. Please don't plan a vacation with your children during vacation Bible school. That's just not seen clearly. That's myopic thinking. That's myopic vision. Don't plan things during events that we as a church are striving to grow and striving to reach out to the community. Be sure that you take this calendar today and use it. And to each of the individuals that have, uh, especially the deacons that have worked so many hours putting together the plans for next year, and, and to our elders that have worked so much uh, considering this and approving these things and leading these things, our appreciation as a congregation goes out to each one of you. But the only way that it will work successfully for God's glory is now for all of us to join hands and arms and let's work together to accomplish more for God in 2005 than we ever have in the past. As we think about this myopic thinking, you see on the next slide a screen that probably most of us have seen at least the left side sometime in our life. And and maybe you were born with weaker eyes, and maybe in your youth you saw the right screen pretty quickly in your lifetime. There may be others of you that, that said, well, you know, it was when I hit my 40s. That's when I started seeing that right side of the screen. And I don't know what the age is for you, but obviously, sooner or later, most of us, if the Lord wills time, we'll walk in to a doctor one day, and he'll ask us to look at that chart, and it'll look more like the right side. That can be frustrating. 
But what do we immediately do physically? We make corrections. We call them lenses. And those lenses, once in place and once they're accurate, they cause us to see back to the left side again at the same distance. The passage we have just read reminds us of the fact that we can be short-sighted spiritually. We're going to come back and develop some things out of this passage here in 2 Peter. But I would like for you, if you will, to be turning to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. And as you're turning to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, we're going to read just a few verses there as, as kind of a launching illustration from the Word of God where God wanted us to deal more wisely and how we see things. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you of an illustration that God gave us in creation. Some of you may not be familiar with a very unusual fish. The fish is unusual, at least in part. One of the reasons is because it's called the four-eyed fish. Not because this fish has glasses, but it's four-eyed because the fish swims with, its, with the water at its eye level. And it has in each eye two retinas. This fish can literally see two scenes or two images at the exact same time. So therefore, if the fish is searching for insects above the surface, which this fish enjoys doing, he can hunt for his prey while also watching underneath the water to beware of fish of which he would become their prey. Now, as unusual as this sounds, this is somewhat what God is asking us to do. We live on this world. The Lord expects us to see the things that surround us, but He wants us to lift our eyes, and as He says in Colossians, set our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. And so the Lord is asking us to live seeing two images, seeing the things day to day, but making decisions based upon that eternal view. When one individual knows that something is wrong but goes ahead and participates in the wrong, and another individual has the same temptation but thinks about the eternal consequences and says no, what they've done is they have made a decision with clear vision, whereas this other individual has a blurred vision. They're not looking past the short-sightedness. The greatest mistakes that we make in our life is when we make decisions short-sightedness. One of the challenges that each of us ought to set before ourselves this morning is to say with great intent and with great prayer to our God, I do not want to make any decisions in 2005 from a short-sightedness. I want to see all that God has to offer me. I want to see all of His will before I make a decision. Elisha and his servant are a wonderful example as we begin in 2 Kings, the 6th chapter and verse 8, it's the story unfolding about the king of Syria wanting to destroy Israel. And as he wanted to destroy Israel, he continued to set up places that he thought that he could overcome them as they would pass by. But yet every time he would set up a place for an ambush or for an attack, they would go a different direction. And so immediately he thought, there's a spy of Israel among our camp. And so he called his servants together and says, which one of you are working for Israel? And they said, it's not us. It's that prophet of God named Elisha. He, because he's a man of God, knows where we're going to be. And he tells them, and they always go a different direction. 
And he said, let's load our army up and let's go and destroy that one man. You see, in his mind, he knew that if he could destroy the one man, he could destroy that little army of Israel. And so let's read this together in the 6th chapter and verse 15 and see if this is the way you would like to wake up one morning. Or maybe here we turn a calendar year 2005 and you may kind of feel like this. You may feel like today that I have so many challenges or so many temptations or so many hurdles in front of me. I just feel like I'm surrounded with failure. Here's what he says in verse 15, 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, At last, my master, what shall we do? He answered, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. You realize this is our 50th day of our emphasis on prayer. As a congregation, let us never stop to emphasize prayer in our lives daily as individuals and as a congregation. It's simply the ceasing of an emphasis in study of prayer. Isn't it interesting that here was a man that was short-sighted all he could see, their enemies. And they were powerful enemies in the, the mind and the reality of mankind. Powerful enemies surrounding them. The servant says, look, 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 look. Horses and chariots, that powerful kingdom, they're opposed to us. They have surrounded us in this town of Dothan. What are we going to do? He says, don't be afraid. And he wanted this servant to see something. And so he offered a prayer to help this man see. Verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God's army was more powerful than Syria's army. Chariots of fire. Chariots, they were a great asset to any army of that day. And so you can imagine the fear when all the servant could see was chariots that belonged to the enemy. But imagine the comfort when he realized that surrounding all of them were God's chariots of fire. And what did he pray? Elisha must have already known that. His prayer was, open my servant's eyes so that he can see. Friends, the whole lesson hinges upon this principle. There are so many things out there that God blesses us with opportunities and righteousness to follow and a relationship to build, and too often times we don't see it. Too often times our vision is myopic. Too often times it's short-sighted. And we need someone praying for us, and we need to be praying for ourselves. Lord, open my eyes. I'm going to miss the greater rewards. I'm going to miss the greater victory. I'm going to miss being what I could be in your service. And we might even miss heaven if we can't see the greater picture. And so we go back now to 2 Peter and, and in 2 Peter, the first chapter, notice he said there in verse 9, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Now notice, God said, he who lacks these things. You're short-sighted? 
You put your glasses or your contacts in, and now you're no longer short-sighted. You can see. Without these things, these lenses, you're short-sighted. With these lenses, you're not short-sighted. God is saying spiritually, if you don't have these things on, you're short-sighted. You're going to miss the greater rewards, the greater blessings. Now that pushes me to the edge of my seat. This, this sermon, studying this sermon and writing this sermon was one of those sermons that it's exciting just to study through when, when I started realizing God is literally saying, cut and dry, you take these glasses off, you won't ever see what I've planned for you. You put these glasses on and you can see what I planned. Now that pushes me to the edge of my seat. I want to know, God, what is it that I can put on and see the way you want me to see now, we're going to mention these right now, and hopefully one Sunday night this month, we'll come back and look at each one of these in detail. But if we drop back, let's read together in the first chapter in verse 5, and he's going to give a list of these things that we must see. Let's read together in verse 5. But also, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to your self-control, perseverance, to your perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. That's a list of the things that we must see through to see what God has planned. Notice how he describes it in verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, I just don't know any Bible. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know any Bible. I haven't put on spiritual lenses. I tell you, I just can't control myself. I lose my temper all the time. I haven't put on the spiritual lenses. And it's going to create more problems than just the fact I don't have those lenses. You see what the point is here? When we don't have these things, it stops us from greater things. It's just like saying, well, I have a problem. I don't have my glasses. Well, so what? You don't have, I can't drive. I can't do my work. I can't see at a distance. Now you say, oh, now I see the problem. You need your glasses so that the other greater thing can be accomplished in life. We see these lists of things, and if we're not careful, all they become is a list of things as if God were saying, just do it, one, two, three, four. And we don't realize that God is saying, do it, one, two, three, and four, and look what the reward is. Look what you can see. Now, we're going to come back and look at those in detail at another time. But for the rest of this little bit of time we have together, I want us to see one major point. If you have your Bible open, you'll see we're studying at the very beginning of 2 Peter. He tells us this at the very beginning of 2 Peter to say, if you'll do these things, you can see this. And you know what he says? You can see the trustworthiness of the Scriptures. And you can see how dangerous false teachers are. And you can see how important the second coming is. Jeff, let's skip way down the slides, about the third from the end. I just saved you guys a lot of time just then. Let's go and let's look at 2 Peter, the first chapter, and let's read together verse 
20 and 21, and we're picking up somewhat in the middle of a paragraph, but notice how he uses the word first right here. This is still tying in to what we're going to see. This, as he's writing Peter, he's saying, this is one of the first things you're going to see if you have these things on. Verse 20, he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, this paragraph began by Peter reminiscing about the good old days. Wouldn't it be neat to be able to sit down with Peter or Paul and to hear them talk about things? Well, here he's talking about the mountain of transfiguration. Now, from a human aspect, we would think that he would talk about the, how white and glowing the robes were or what it was like to really see Moses and Elijah. But you know, there was something so much more important to reminisce about. You remember when he said, let's build a temple for all three? Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And you remember the silence was broken with what? The Word of God. God said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. And He reminisces and He tells them about that occasion where God spoke. And then He says, Now look what the Scriptures are. The scriptures are not some kind of private interpretation where Isaiah says, hmm, I think I'll write this and call it truth. Or one of the gospel writers says, I'll write this and call it truth. Every scripture was inspired of God. We can trust it. Not just intellectually, but even with our life. I'm safe when I place my hands and my life in the hands of God. Vision. When we put on those lenses, we know where to place our life. <coughs> Excuse me. How many of you have ever gone through that time where someone wanted to drive someone you loved and you didn't trust the driver's vision? How's that make you feel? How does it make you feel, Mother, to put little Johnny in Peppa's car and you know Peppa can't even read the newspaper? It scares you to death because you're saying to yourself, you can't be in safety whenever you can't see what is approaching. Peter is writing and he's saying, get these things in order in your life so you can see. Peter, what do you want me to see? I want you to see where to place your life. Where do I place my life? Place your life in the Scriptures. You're safe in the hands of God. A second thing that he wanted us to see, he wants to see the danger of false teachers. Let's read the next two verses. It's in the second chapter, verse 1 and 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. <coughs> this whole chapter, we just read two verses. The whole chapter is about false teaching and about false teachers and avoiding that. 
You notice the movement? If you see clearly the Scriptures, it's going to help you to see clearly and identify false teachers. It doesn't matter what your grandparents believed. What matters is what is true. It doesn't matter what you have believed. What matters is what is true. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousands or millions of people line up and believe something. What you and I ought to be concerned with is God, what is true? What is your will? The only way we can know that is to know the Scriptures. When we know the Scriptures, we can identify false teaching. If we're saved and led astray, the end of this chapter tells us the end is worse than the beginning. Let's look to the third chapter as we close this lesson. Blurred vision also causes us to not be able to see properly as it ought to be the second coming of Jesus. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood here. All of us are going to see the second coming of Jesus. No one's going to escape that day. But we're not going to see it as it ought to be. What is meant by this is you and I ought to see the importance of the second coming of Jesus every day. We ought to have a vision in our mind of responsibility, my soul standing before God every day. And that's what we read about in the fourth verse, and then we'll skip down and we'll read verses 12 through 14. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, beginning verse 1, he reminds them again why he was writing was to stir their minds up to remember some things. And he mentions in verse 3 that there's going to be scoffers that are going to say, well, Jesus ascended and said he was coming back and he hasn't come back yet. Maybe he's not coming back. And so in verse 4, we read this and saying, this is what the scoffers are saying. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so he writes for several verses talking about God is not slack concerning his promises. If God said Jesus is coming back again, you can rest assured Jesus is coming back again. And so we begin reading verse 12, 13, and 14. And the reason out of all these we chose these, not only because of the content, but within the content, notice the word look as it ties into vision. Verse 12 looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements with, will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, and the righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot, and blameless. Three times Peter said, look, look for the second coming, look for heaven, and look to be prepared on the day of judgment. When's the last time you really thought about the coming of Jesus? And that you, you will stand before Jesus and give an account. When's the last time you really really dwelt upon that and meditated upon that. I hope that it was either this morning or sometime yesterday. Because, friends, if we haven't thought about that lately, we have robbed ourselves of one of the greatest visual motivations 
to choose to do right. Peter writes and says, there's some things I want you to see. If you take your spiritual glasses off, you're not going to see these things. If you'll put them on, it's going to help you see some very important things. Okay, Peter, I'm going to work adding to my faith, knowledge, my knowledge, temperance, and etc. What do you want me to see? I want you to see the scriptures. They're truth. Trust in them. I want you to see false teachers. They're dangerous. Stay away from it. And I want you to continue looking to the day of judgment. And you make your decisions each day to live for God because you want to stand on the day of judgment. Young people, when your peers are urging you to do something wrong, the thought process looking through the spiritual lenses ought to be... I think a lot of you guys, but I think more of God. And I want to see Jesus look me in the eyes and tell me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I have to say no to you guys and yes to Jesus. The next time materialism is pulling at us, trying to get us to do something that, that would be a conflict to the will of God, we need to see the day of judgment and look back over our shoulder and see everything melting away in fervent heat. Am I going to choose that which is eternal or am I going to choose that which is temporal? Friends, every temptation we experience can be overcome if we have an eyesight that is not myopic. Every temptation. We don't sin when we make decisions long term. We sin when we take our spiritual glasses off and we look short term. I love to be able to say Happy New Year. It's the turning of the calendar. It's that feeling of, hey, it's a fresh start. What can I do different? What can I do better? Maybe this is the year for you to grow spiritually. I know God wants it. The question is, can you see it? Do you want it? We're about to sing a song of encouragement. Satan would encourage you to only see the very immediate. And he'll give you a hundred reasons to not make your life right with God. I beg you from the Word of God this morning, don't be short-sighted. Look to the day of judgment. Look into eternity. And make your decision if now is the time to be baptized into Christ. If now is the time to confess sin and be restored. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.